0: I want to invite your friends to find a Bible as we worship, go to God's living Word. It's a key ingredient for your growth in Christ. Come with me to John 15. We'll start in verse 1. It may also help you if you find this piece of paper entitled, Growing and Showing God's Fruit. You can download it, and it might help you as you capture what God says. I've always believed that the dullest pencil is sharper than the sharpest memory, so capture the Word of God as He speaks to you this day. Uh, I grew up in a little town called Georgetown, Texas. It was uh, in Central Texas, and my dad was a rancher, and uh, my mother, she was a master gardener. Uh, this is a picture circa 1961 of the Wolf Gang. And my mom I was Betty, my dad was Jay, and then I had siblings, three sisters and one brother. Uh, But I grew up on a ranch in Georgetown, Texas. My mom loved gardening. Now, some people have a a red thumb for killing plants. My mom had a green thumb. Whatever she touched seemed to double and grow. I truly think she could take a broomstick, pluck it in the ground, and it would just burst into bloom. She had that special talent. A mom would always have a big spring garden. Uh, She had a perennial Fruit trees, we had plum trees and pear trees, we had a big fig tree, we had muscadine grapes and pears, but what she loved to do in the spring was to plant gardens. And her garden consisted of squash and beans, had okra oh, it was delicious to eat, but it was a lot of work to maintain, and it was terrible to have to go pick it. But I really appreciated the fact that my mother taught me a good bit about growing things. Because, friends, the goal of the Christian life is to grow. It's to grow into the very image of Jesus Christ, to not only grow in Christ, but to show Jesus to the world. And friends, that will happen as we grow together. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Let's look at the setting of what is happening to Jesus. It's very fascinating. You see, Jesus has just told His disciples in John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 about what's coming. He has told His disciples that everything is coming to a crescendo, to a climax. And these are His last words, so they are pulling in tight. They are listening very carefully. I want you to think about what's happening. You see, they are in Jerusalem in the upper room. They've just celebrated the Passover. And after celebrating the Passover and the Last Supper, I want you to be there for a moment. Smell the fresh baked bread, the roasted lambs, the onions that have been prepared for the meal. Jesus has washed the disciples' feet, and you can smell that good, pungent odor. And then He says in John 14, verse 31, He said, let's go. So they get up, and they leave the upper room, and they travel by torchlight down the narrow, winding ravine called the Kidron Valley." And as they're passing through the Kidron Valley, they see all of this horticulture and agriculture. They are en route to an olive garden called Gethsemane. But on the way, they will see a vineyard. And and I want you to see in this moment as they move from the upper room to the vineyard, that's where they're going. They're moving from the upper room to the vineyard. Jesus, ever the teacher, is going to give them almost a children's sermon. Jesus is going to tell them that the key to their future productivity and the creation of fruit is to be connected to Him. So as they pass along these ancient vineyards, they're walking this path, their lamps are flickering. I want you to imagine that you are listening to Jesus as He gives the key not only to their destiny, but He wants to give the key to your destiny. He wants to show you here and now how to be that productive Christ follower that produces much fruit. Uh, If you would find, again, John 15, verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. And he makes it bear more fruit. You are already clean because the word which I've spoken to you abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Here's the heart of it, verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch. And it dries up, and they gather them, and they cast them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. My friends, as we come to this very important moment, Jesus is describing what He expects of you. This is the key to your destiny and your productivity. So let's go from ready, moving from the upper room to the vineyard, to set. What is set? Set is God's goal for you, which is simply producing fruit. Let me explain how it works. For His glory, it says in verse 8, for the glory of God, you produce fruit, not for people to pat you on the back or to laud your goodness and your greatness. No, you produce fruit to bring glory to your heavenly Father. Now, here's the key. You've got to be connected to Jesus. And when you're connected to Jesus, just as a vine naturally will produce through the branches grapes, God is producing fruit in your life. What does that fruit look like? Well, that fruit looks like the character of Jesus. That character is described in Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22 says, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus personified each and every one of those, and He expects you to be crafted, to be carved into His image. And that should be how your character looks. Your character should be overflowing with love, joy, and peace, not the opposite's. And then the Bible says you should also produce an outward fruit. The fruit of the kingdom is expanding the kingdom. It's evangelism. It's telling other people about the king. You see, wise people go out and they harvest fruit. That's what Jesus said in John 4. He said, look around you, the fields of the world. In other words, the people of the world, it's like they're white unto harvest. Oh, friends, right now, during the COVID-19 crisis, people are listening like never before. And this is our time. This is your time to share your testimony, to share the living Word of God, to go into the harvest and collect fruit that will last for eternity. So that's what it means to be a productive, fruit-bearing follower of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you an obvious question. Are you producing fruit? Are you the kind of person who every day is operating like God's son? Are you the person who gets God's work done? Are you out there helping precious people be one to the lordship and leadership of Jesus Christ? Are you producing fruit? I want you to classify yourself, and I'm going to give you three classifications. So, are you a branch that is, number one, barren? Please make that note. Are you a branch that is barren? In other words, no people won, no kingdom work done, no operating like God's Son. Are you barren? And I'm afraid there are countless Christians in this category. Let me take you back to John 15, verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it that it may bear more fruit.'" Now, the word take away is an interesting Greek word. It's the word aro, aro. Now, it can mean take away, but it can also mean lift up or even clean up. Now, when the disciples heard this, they knew all about raising grapes and vineyards. I mean, the disciples knew about that, like people from Alabama know about grits and football. So when Jesus was talking about taking away, He didn't necessarily mean throwing away, but the new branches of the spring on a vine, they were coming out. And some of them on the lower part of the vine, they had already gotten dirt on them, and they needed to be cleaned up. They needed to be lifted up. So here's the need. I want you to make this note. The need is cleaning and discipline. The need is cleaning and discipline that's being identified. You see, if that fruit tree is barren, it doesn't have to stay barren. God wants to clean you up. Um, Jesus even said in Luke, He gives us in Luke 13 this picture of barrenness and He does not want you in that category. He wants you to be overflowing with good fruit, and it happens when you're cleaned up and you are disciplined. Um, when I think of discipline, what comes to mind? Hebrews 12, 5 and 6. The scripture says, "'My son, do not despise the discipline of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. For whom the Lord loves, He disciplines.'" And he scourges every son that he receives. Now, the Lord is like a good father. He is not going to stand for his child being unruly and undisciplined and bringing shame to his holy name. I can totally relate to that because my father was a master disciplinarian. I'm Jay Jr. and my dad was Jay Sr. My my dad was quite a guy. Whenever I think of my dad, I think of him in, in this very picture he would always wear a hat, a felt hat in the wintertime, a straw hat in the summertime. He was a marvelous father. I was so blessed to be assigned to him. Uh, but my dad, he operated like this when it came to discipline, a look, a word, a touch. <laughs> if I was out of bounds, he would give me one of those daddy looks. And, and the Lord says that he'll guide you with his eyes if you're sensitive to him. Now, you have to be paying attention. You've got to keep your eyes glued to his face. But if I was doing something wrong, my dad would give me that look. Say, boy, you better straighten out. Following the look came the word, that instruction, a verbal warning. But if you did not heed because you did not choose to hear, there's an old saying, those who will not hear must feel. And that's when the touch came in. I can still hear it. My dad's belt comes slithering out of those loops, being unleashed to correct us. He would be quick to apply the board of education to the seat of knowledge, I can tell you that. Dad was something else. But he was a picture to me of the discipline of my heavenly father. The scripture tells us in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge if you want to be a wise and knowledgeable, fruitful person, then it starts with fearing the Lord. That doesn't mean you're terrified of God. I was not terrified of my dad. I was crazy about him. I didn't want to disappoint him. I wanted to please him. And that's what it means to fear or respect your heavenly father. You love him so much that you don't want to disappoint him that you receive His correction and discipline, and you realign your life with His standard. You allow Him to clean you up and discipline you so that you will be fruitful. Well, let's go to number two. Let me ask you this. Would you classify yourself? Are you a branch that is barely producing? Are you a branch that is barely producing? Oh, maybe there's a fraction of fruit, a few are one. Some of God's work is done. Occasionally, you operate like God's son. There's a little bit of fruit creeping through. But friends, that's not the design of God, for you to barely produce anything. God has a better plan. Now, the concept here is removing competitors, pruning away the sucker vines. For instance, in the little tomato plant that I have, uh, there's some sucker vines And if you really want the tomatoes to produce, you've got to break off those vines, those little sucker vines, so that the tomato doesn't have competition for the nutrition. Frankly, it's that way in horticulture. You've got to engage in pruning or pulling the weeds let me tell you a quick story. The other day I was out in my yard and uh, I'm not overly good in the yard, but I try to keep a decent one because we've got a nice neighborhood and I don't want it to go down because of me. And I happened to see just a little weed. And this little weed, you see I'm pointing to it, um, was there and I grabbed a hold of it. It had rained and I pulled it out and right below the tiny surface of that grain was this huge root. The root was about four times bigger than the little plant. And that's a picture of how weeds operate in your life. You see, weeds are competitors. Do you remember Jesus told a story in Matthew 13 about the good seed that's planted in the soil, and some of that good seed was choked out by the weeds that compete for the limited nutrients? So what God wants you to do is give Him permission to pull out the weeds, because those weeds will suck you dry. They'll pull out all of your time, energy, and best efforts. They'll be diverted into the things of the world that don't count. God wants your energies to produce fruit that lasts, that is eternal, that makes a difference. So part of the process, if you're barely producing, is pruning and pulling out the weeds, which brings us to the need, the need is pruning selfish priorities that 's what you've got to do, pruning selfish priorities again, Jesus said in John fifteen verse two, every branch that bears fruit he prunes, he pulls off those sucker vines that it may bear even more fruit now here 's the real goal it 's in matthew six verse thirty three What does Jesus say? Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things, they will be added to you. You see, that's the number one priority for a kingdom person. If you want to be fruitful, let the centerpiece of your priority be seeking first King Jesus and building His kingdom, doing what is right. And if you'll do that, all other things will be added to you, the Scripture says. Well, let me give you an example. I have a friend named Gordon Fort. He's one of my favorite friends. Many of you have met Gordon Fort. Uh, there's my buddy, Kathy Cooper and Ben Kelly. This was just a few months ago at our global mission celebration. Uh, Gordon has come to everyone. He always stays at my house. I met him many years ago over in South Africa, and we just became fast friends. Uh, one day I was talking to Gordon. He was home in the United States, and I, would, I asked him this question. I said, Gordon, when you come home to America and you're leaving Africa, what is the thing that strikes you most about America, and particularly American Christians? And without even hesitating, he said, Jay, it's mispriorities. I live in a world where I can fully focus on the lost. And when I come to America, I see so many Christians that are distracted. They've misprioritized their life. They're not doing what counts. They've been seduced by the trivial and by the ephemeral, he went on to say. Now, friends, would you check your life? Could it be that there are a lot of weeds in your life and God needs to prune off some of those sucker vines that are sucking the key components of your life away from you? Maybe a weed looks like a Facebook. Because you're substituting it for time in God's book. Maybe your weed looks like selfishness because you're spending all your time, money, and energy on yourself instead of serving the Lord and the people who are hurting around you. Maybe your weed would look like um, less playtime and spending more prayer time spending more time in the Lord's presence as you're pouring out your heart before Him and connecting to Him and walking with Him. You see, if if you're producing little fruit, it's probably because your priorities are misaligned, and you're too focused on yourself and not the Savior. Paul talked about pruning and he said, pruning leads to productivity. He said in Philippians 3, all these things that used to be so important to me, I have thrown away. They're nothing more than trash compared to knowing Christ and serving His eternal purpose. Well, let's come now to the third option. As you classify yourself, the third option is this, bountifully fruitful, bountifully fruitful. Are you a branch that is bountifully fruitful? Are you doing John fifteen five? I am the vine. Jesus said, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will produce much fruit. But apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. You see, this is the key. God wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to see many one. He wants you to experience God's work being done. He wants in your character, action, and activities to operate like God's Son. That's what it means to be abiding and fruitful. And may I tell you, technically, in verse 5, this is not a suggestion. This is a command. This is an imperative. Jesus is saying, you must do this. Now, friends, let me give you the key to doing it. Here's the key to your destiny. Here's the key to use your life to make an earthly and eternal difference in the name of Jesus. And here it is. Please write this down here's the need. It is to be God-conscious. The need is to be God-conscious. And and I'm going to tell you how this works. The year was 1975. I had an extraordinary opportunity to go spend the summer instead of in the good old heat of central Texas, to go to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and to spend some time with a man named Henry Blackaby. For a portion of the summer, I got to live with Henry and Marilyn Blackaby. I spent time in their family. I worked in his ministry, and I found Henry to be a remarkable person. Many of you have done his study called Experiencing God. Oh, it's the largest seller ever created by Lifeway Publications. It's in a rainbow of languages. I've worked through the workbook several times. It's had a profound impact on me and countless others. Henry Blackaby is famed for saying, watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. In other words, spend your life looking for the Lord. Be conscious of His presence every day, always looking for Him. That's what it means to abide in Him. Be conscious of the fact that He surrounds you. Now, here's how it should start. Give your morning to God. Now listen carefully, set your alarm clock back just a little bit, win the battle of the alarm clock, and you'll win the battle of the day. Set that clock back and get up early and meet God. Give Him the first of your day. And once you give Him your day and you hear from His living Word, you saturate it into your soul, then you speak to Him in prayer, then you realign your priorities to His priorities that His kingdom would come and you would seek first His kingdom, then you're ready for the day and you'll go out, and everywhere you look, you'll see Him. Not only will you see Him, you will start to serve Him, and you will move from barren to barely to bountiful. You will produce bountiful fruit in the Lord. (laughs) Well, let me read something to you. A friend of mine that I went to college with, he and I went to Baylor University together. um, He sent me a an essay, a note, and my buddy is a doctor, and his wife, uh, she experienced early onset dementia years ago. I stood up with them in their wedding, and uh, he's a spectacular follower of Christ. But since this time of descending darkness for his wife, it's as if every day he's lived in a COVID-19 storm But he sent this essay, and it's called, The Best Day of My Life. And that's what happens when you live God conscious. Let me share it. Today, when I awoke, I suddenly realized that this is the best day of my life. So, I'm going to celebrate. Today, I'm going to celebrate what a wonderful life I've had so far. I'll celebrate all my positive accomplishments, the many blessings, and yes, even the hardships, because they have served to make me stronger. I will go through this day with my head held high and a happy heart. I will marvel at God's simple gifts. The morning dew, the sun, the clouds, the trees, the flowers, the birds. Today, none of these miraculous creations will escape my notice. Today, I'll share my excitement for life with other people, I'll make someone smile. I'll go out of my way to perform an unexpected act of kindness for someone that I don't even know, and I will do it in the name of Jesus. Today, I'll give a sincere compliment to someone who seems down. I'll tell a child how special he is. I'll tell someone I love them and I care about them, and they are God's treasured gift to me. Today is the day I quit worrying about What I don't have and start being grateful for all that I do have. I'll remember that to worry is just a waste of time because my faith in God and His divine plan ensures that everything will be just fine. As the day ends, I will stand in awe at the beauty of the stars and the moon, and I will praise God for these magnificent treasures. When I lay my head down on my pillow, I will thank King Jesus for the best day of my life, and I will sleep the sleep of a contented child, excited with expectation, because I know that tomorrow is going to be the best day of my life ever, because I choose to consistently and intentionally abide in Jesus Christ, and I will make every day my best day as I abide and walk with Him." Well, friends, that is the goal of God, to be God-conscious and to be fruitful. So let me ask you this question. Which are you? Are you barren, producing no fruit? Are you barely, every now and then producing a little fruit? Are you bountiful? You look like Jesus. You, You see, here's what I've determined. If there is no fruit, there's probably no root. You've got to have a root. You've got to have a connection to Jesus before you can produce the fruit of Jesus. So right now, some of you desperately need to connect to Jesus, and let me help you do that. It is so simple. Jesus said in John 1 verse 12, Jesus said, if you believe in me, You will receive the great gift of becoming part of my family. If you'll believe and receive, I will allow you to become children of the living God. Have you done that? With simple childlike faith, have you said, Jesus, I choose you? If you've not surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus and made him your leader, you can do that right now. And it would be my enormous privilege to help you. I want you to pray with me this simple prayer. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I choose right now to turn from my sin and to make you my Savior. Father, I ask that you cleanse me and make me your child. I promise every day in every way to always follow you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.